Microphone check, microphone check. Alrighty, we rolling, we rolling. Hello, 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 and thank you for joining me on Heron's Home Podcast. This is your host, Karee Robertson, alongside my sound man extraordinaire, Rico G, a.k.a. Loki, Mayor of Mayhem, a.k.a. the Greenville Grinch. How you feeling today? I know you was a little bit under the weather. I appreciate you pushing through today. Come join me to record these uh, these hot takes. Yeah, I really appreciate everyone who's joined me this far. Hope you've noticed a little bit of uh, progress. I'm going to be working on imp- uh, improving less ums and ahs and not a means and all that stuff. So uh, get a little bit more fluent uh, discussion going on so you can get a better feel for, for what we're saying without the uh, additional verbal ticks and interjections. So, yeah, let me start out like I like to do usually with some entertainment, you know, what I've been watching lately. Uh, I've been watching uh, on Netflix The Witcher, which was a really great watch for the first season. And it's a really good case study on um, a lot of transmedia, because if you know the story of The Witcher, it started out as a book, then was uh, made into a game. And then they took the storylines from the game and then made them into a TV show. So it's interesting to to see how the the progress of the art went from the literature to the visual to the to the cinematic and uh yeah it was it's it's really well done and uh, i highly suggest uh checking that out if you got some time um also i had a great time uh checking out uh eddie murphy on his return to snl after some decades i believe so that was also uh, a really great catch so um i think that eddie murphy has a lot to offer uh as a as a long time veteran of the comedy game um, and I think that it would do great for younger comedians to to try to catch on to the things that he did uh, to get to where he is, because he is uh, an amazing, not just artist, but creator, because he he's created in a lot of different uh, genres as well, from music to cinema, stand up. He's he's been exemplary in all of those fields. So. Yeah, I think that that was uh, really good for the culture to see him come back. Um, you know, I've been catching a lot of stuff on uh, Amazon Prime, too. And uh, I recently caught a documentary, one of the best documentaries on the island of Jamaica that I've ever seen called uh, Mon Free. And I would highly recommend checking that out just uh, for a taste of the culture. It's one of the, the best representations of Jamaican life and culture that I've seen depicted uh in cinema like at all ever i mean better than better than a lot of the documentaries that are more focused on maybe certain personalities and so forth it's a great expose on just general uh life in the caribbean and jamaica and and more specific so highly recommend checking that one out and um another one i saw which i was surprised i hadn't heard of prior to this which was um guava island which was a production by donald glover and rihanna and they killed it that was an amazing story. Gosh, I can't, I can't uh, put forth enough how great they they brought that story to life with the uh, the acting and the music. Everything was incorporated so well, and I definitely recommend uh, taking some time out to check that out. Um, and also, <laughs> uh, one of my guilty pleasures that uh, recently I've been uh, indulging in a little bit more. Uh, is uh, Vlad TV, which I really don't. I have a lot of mixed feelings about Vlad himself, but the culture has invited him in uh, by a lot of the people who have been uh, 
influential in the culture, sitting down with him and really giving uh, good interviews. And so uh, one that I recently saw that was kind of impactful was uh, Darius McCrary, who played uh, Eddie Winslow on Family Matters, because he's had a little bit of a checkered past. And um, it was a great interview to get to see what he's been doing and his mindset outside of some of the, the bigger flubs that he might have had um, in his relationship past and so forth. So um, I usually I have a hard time uh, giving Vlad any credit or, or props for things. But in terms of some of the people that he interviews, they're really quality uh, people. And so whenever I recommend something from Vlad, it's never for Vlad. It's, uh, it's for the person who he's talking to because they they have an opportunity to to get onto a platform that lets them reach people in a in a very meaningful way and uh some people really utilize it well so uh <laughs> i just wanted to point that out because i really feel like it would be interesting to see where darius mccurry could, could could go because i would like to see see him get back into the uh into the whole acting thing again because i enjoyed it uh, a lot of what he was doing prior to his fall off so yeah, I just wanted to put some light on that. And um, actually, somebody who really is very pivotal to, to, to black culture um, is Mr. Claude Anderson, who I saw a recent interview with him um, done by The Breakfast Club. And that is another amazing interview that I highly recommend. Just to, to he's really good at blatantly and, and very forwardly explaining race relations in America as somebody who lived through a lot of it and actually was pivotal in a lot of positive movements to keep black people relevant in this culture. So highly recommend that as well. Uh, but yeah, moving forward, it's going it, to, there's a lot of, of quality viewing coming in 2020. So I look forward to, to, to the, uh, to what entertainment has to offer uh, coming forward. And also in some other entertainment news, um, I saw that Drake had done an uh, interview with Rap Radar. And while this is not a podcast that will very frequently talk about Drake's music or Drake, um, there was some really good commentary that came from it. Because um, whether or not you like Drake or not, he is very impactful in the culture. And I think that uh, we need to pay attention to his influence um, and how he and how he moves because he has pioneered a lot of things um, that could be used to help teach younger artists how to brand themselves and market themselves. But at the same time, I think that he's he's a bit toxic. But um, he also he did a great interview with Rap Radar, and um, the discussions uh, around that interview I think are are very interesting. Um, I know Sean C is a is a YouTuber who had a great uh, breakdown of why Drake is not respected as a black man in the culture and uh, how a lot of his movements definitely seem to, 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 to uh, show a certain insecurity he has with that. Um, especially because uh, since his uh, beef with Pusha T, uh, it has been revealed that he very much embodies a lot of the negative tropes that, that he talks about his father with. Um, even though those uh, uh, allegations that he makes towards his father have been shown that they are fabricated just to create a, an image to sell. And so, as I said, Drake is great at creating image and acting and performing. But, yeah, I, I think that uh, 
if you are a fan of his, I would say watch the interview. Um, but definitely um, check out a lot of the conversations going on around it. I think that uh, there's a lot to be garnered for that because Drake will will probably be in the culture for a long time to come. So uh, <laughs> we should learn as much as we can from him. But uh, also, um, I saw another interview recently with Benny the Butcher. And if you're not familiar with Benny the Butcher, he's a um, New York um, rapper. I believe he's from Buffalo. Um, who's very talented, and he's part of a collective um, under the name Griselda Entertainment. And they have been doing big things, and they are, are first of all, a great um, example of of performing to your niche and excelling at that and being unapologetic and unwavering about that. Um, they create some of the, the, the grittiest hip-hop that's out right now and and they stick to it and they've been very successful in doing so so much so that they've uh been approached by shady records but um back to the interview with benny the butcher uh he was asked does he feel some type of way that he hasn't been or griselda entertainment hasn't been lauded with the likes of dreamville and tde and that question immediately uh started you know just ringing some bells in my head because i don't think that that's even uh the the appropriate question to ask him because first of all the longevity of those two uh other collectives dreamville and tde is much longer than theirs um and their their accolades go a lot deeper right now and not to say that griselda won't one day achieve those accolades but they have work to do and so to say that do they feel bad not being named with them is, is not a slight onto them. They, they, they're very young and successful. And so, um, I believe that, I guess the interview was trying to be provocative, but I, I, I think that if, if you think about that, that, uh, comparison, you'd see that they're doing a lot of different things, you know, Griselda's in their niche and they're lauded, like people who, who follow Griselda, they follow Griselda way more than they'll follow TDE. They might like TDE, but they serve a, a crowd of people who want their music. And TDE also has a niche, even though their niche is probably a lot wider and is a lot more far-reaching now. Um, but, you know, that's mainly due to Kendrick Lamar, because if you look at J-Rock, Schoolboy, Q, Absol, they're amazing artists, but they don't have the reach of, of, of Kendrick. So... Yeah, that's that's to say that that's not to say that Griselda isn't an amazing um, collective, but they, they got work to. I don't know if if that's an appropriate you know question to to even put forth into the air, you know, unless you're really just trying to start some beef because these guys they're doing it big, they're doing it big, and and I don't see that why their name won't be uh, up there in it uh, in the future for sure. But um, yeah. Man, what are we, almost 15 minutes in? I haven't even uh, wished everyone a happy holidays. Yeah, I'd like to do that. You know, not that I celebrate any holidays in particular. I don't subscribe to to, to the modern conception thereof. But um, I do, I respect the spirit of it, and I never want to be the party pooper. So I always want to make sure that the people feel welcome, no matter uh, what tradition you choose to celebrate. Um, but, you know, I would really be interested uh, to see what a more modern secular secular holiday regiment would look like because i do respect the um solidarity that comes with the with the tradition of holidays uh the gatherings 
the the fellowship that shared that is important and that's not that's not at all what what i'm railing against when i say i don't uh participate in any particular tradition it's more of you know the commercialization of it and and moreover the figures that are chosen to be celebrated i'm not going to i'm not going to celebrate someone like christopher columbus who's literally the worst navigator in the world who landed in the <laughs> in the caribbean and thought he was in india i mean I'm not going to celebrate that, man. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to celebrate, you know, the Yule tree. I'm not into that. You know what I mean? The the whole idea of Christmas and its conception, you know, if if you genuinely celebrate the Christian conception of Christmas and that's you just choose to celebrate it in December uh out of out of convenience, then then respect, do your thing. But if you're into this whole commercialized, you know, got to give gifts and you know, got to get in the holiday spirit and you got to watch your Hallmark channel and you got to watch your Yuletide Netflix, you know, watch the Yuletide burn for 10 hours. You can miss me with it. I don't I don't see how that's a, how that should be a thing. You know, most holidays are. And, you know, I wish that we could celebrate people and, and things that we collectively have all agreed on in a more contemporary sense. You know what I mean? Like, I love celebrating Martin Luther King Day. That's actually a holiday that every year. If I have the opportunity, I'll throw a party, get together, you know, do something special because that's something worth celebrating in my time. You know what I mean? Not to say that older things aren't worth celebrating, but but at what cost? You know what I mean? Like things that that we no longer ha- hold relevance in our culture that we that in today's eyes we no longer want to 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 celebrate and and put forth as ideas you know, we should really consider that, you know, like, but, you know, that that's something that I, I hope to do with my family in the future is, you know, have a holiday regiment that we can all come to, to agree on, you know, because I want them to be meaningful. You know what I mean? If I want to take time and effort, an effort to, to really put aside, you know, reverence of a day, then it's going to be for something that I generally think is worth putting that kind of reverence behind. And so I don't see that most holidays uh, meet that muster. So, yeah, I just think that that would be real interesting. I'd love to hear uh, some other opinions as to what days you think might be actually worth celebrating, you know, outside of just what the traditional uh, holiday schedule of the uh, of the U.S. is. But, yeah, um, the year is wrapping up now. And so I did want to... Um, talk about some stuff that's relevant going into 2020 um there was a great breakdown of actually uh the u.s spending bill and so we'll move on into some politics now because uh i think that all of this information is something that would be good to think about going into 2020 because uh some a few things are changing and and the things on the horizon uh are going to be very telling for the future of this country. So the current spending bill, which is pretty much how they plan on spending your tax dollars in 2020, uh, was for a $1.4 trillion appropriation from your taxes. And a huge portion of this goes to military spending. Um, I think it was upwards of 65%. So 65 cents out of every dollar that you pay in taxes goes to your your military spending uh, and and 
also in this appropriations bill, the Republicans won the ability for President Trump to appropriate money from various other budgets to build his famous wall. Now, there's still a lot of restrictions in the type of barrier that he can create, but he's going through with it. And I think that a lot of people missed out on, um, yes, it has huge implications for the border and people who are trying to cross the border and so forth. But I don't think a lot of people have stopped and um, considered the ecological impact. There's a lot of animals that migrate across that land border that do not understand that they're building a, 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 a border wall to keep out immigrants and it's going to destroy their migratory patterns. It's going to have a huge, huge negative impact on that area. Um, the Rio Grande is in great danger because if that area further uh, turns into desert, then it's it's only going to cause the water retention for it to go down. And so, you know, that's that's going to be a really um, a really ugly, ugly situation in the future. You know, it's bad enough that the border wall is is just such a negative sign towards our ideas towards immigration. But it's going to be an ecological disaster. And uh, and a little bit of a broader note. $2.2 billion uh, was increased to the education budget, which is good. <laughs> and ironically enough, the uh, the head of education, Betsy DeVos, actually argued against the increase, uh, stating that uh, the government will one day run out of other people's money, which somehow she is assuming that we're going to just stop paying taxes one day. And the government will run out of the money that we continuously pay them all the time to fund education, which is ridiculous. It's utterly preposterous that she would say, hey, let's defund the branch of the government that I'm running. I can't imagine. And in no way, shape or form did she present a package in which she showed increased efficiency that would show why she believes genuinely that there's no need for an increase in the budgeting to education. That's not what she was presenting, which would have been valid, which would have been great if she could overhaul the system in such a way that, you know, she can save, you know, $2.2 billion. But no, that was not the case. She had no plan to offer increased outcomes in education but yet wanted to turn down the money that the government had allo has allocated to increase for education. So it's just another example of, of how backwards the Trump administration could be at times. But that's, uh, in, in a brighter note, we got a $2.2 billion increase to education spending. Um, some of that money uh, from that appropriations bill is gonna be going to enforcing a few federal laws that uh, will be enacted. Um, one of which is the raising of the tobacco age to 21, which I'm not against. <laughs> you know, like, listen, the later that you start doing things of that nature, probably the better off. Um, and from what I understand, the statistics show that smoking among people under 21 is actually decreasing anyway. So, you know, more power to them. But uh, I'm not exactly sure what the impetus for that legal change was, but <laughs> I, uh, that's one of the things that they plan on um utilizing part of the appropriations for um, and individual state laws um, actually are going into effect in uh, in large degree. Um, I know California has a bunch of really um, good legislation going in. Uh, there's legislation to help classify gig economy workers as actually employees. 
so they can try to reduce some of the exploitation there. Um, also, they're passing one of the most stringent data protection bills in California, which gives you the right to at least uh, find out what data is being collected on you from any given company. Um, I believe that you do have limited power over what they're allowed to sell, but you do have the power to ask them to delete it. So that's always good. You know, um, that's a step in the right direction for that. Um, in California, there's also a ban on um, discrimination due to hair, which is really interesting because there were some um, cases in which uh, athletes were being forced to cut their hair in the middle of competition to be able to continue, which was kind of egregious. I thought that was a little bit out of control, but I'm glad to see that they've taken steps to, to stop that from happening in the future, which is really good. Um, Colorado is having a really interesting battle with their gun rights. Um, they have, by state law, passed tighter restrictions on, on selling guns, but the sellers are rebelling against that legislation, saying that they are, quote-unquote, Second Amendment sanctuaries in which they will just continue to sell guns to whomever might want one, regardless to whether they have mental illness, regardless to whether they have prior violent um, criminal history, anything of that nature. So it's a shame that people refuse to actually do anything about the, um, the gun issues in America. I'm not even talking about like a total disarmament. I'm just saying, hey, let's be a little bit more mindful of who we sell them to. But of course, you know, that's a that, that's an argument that, that'll go on for, I guess, quite some time into the future in this country. Um, Illinois has legalized weed coming in the new year, which is really good. New York has made a really great move along with California and New Jersey to ban cash bail for misdemeanors. So that means that they will have less of a right to detain you for misdemeanors, um, as well as they won't be able to to keep hold you on a bail circumstance, um, which puts you in a really bad place a lot of times for very minor infractions, um, especially if you're a repeat offender for a misdemeanor. And not to say that that we want to encourage that behavior, but we do need to show that there is some restraint in the in the type of punishments that we're handing out. And so New York, California, New Jersey has all put in a ban on cash bail for misdemeanors, which is really good. Um, Texas has um, passed a health care um, legislation to help um, medical billing relief. So if you are um, receiving bills for something that you are covered on, um, you can no longer receive exorbitant bills um, if your insurance drops you, which is really helpful. I know to a lot of people, um, I know a lot of elderly people um, have issues with that. Um, also, I think there is also a federal red flag um, law going on for firearms, which will be interesting, which will require states to red flag or to um, search whether names are on a red flag list of criminals or people with mental health issues. So that's another um, large, uh, wider spread uh, federal gun legislation that hopefully will um, do some good. So, yeah, you know, 2020's got a lot of legislation coming through. Hopefully, you know, some of these uh, might be of, uh, of a benefit to you. Hopefully, you know, we get more legislation in the directions that we are because, you know, we can't just keep writing legislation for tax cuts. Going into 2020, uh, looking at the economy, I just wanted to cover something that I hear a lot of people talking about because... Uh, 
Republicans love to talk about how the economy is booming and the stock market's doing great. And I'm sure a lot of people hear that and they don't objectively know how a good economy and stock market affects them directly. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why the average person today does not understand why a, a stock market doing well benefits them. And it's not because of people who invest in the stock market getting big returns. And so the individuals in the, in the uh, economy are just richer. That's not the case. That's not how it's going down as much as I'm sure there's people who would like to, to believe that. The reason why, in general, it used to be that a good economy or a good stock market, rather, meant that the economy was doing well, which meant the individual was doing well. The reason why that was the overarching uh, thought pattern was because 401ks were heavily invested in the stock market. And so those are pensions. So those were uh, stores of value for individuals that at the time, throughout the 60s and early 70s, a lot of people had pensions. Now, of course, we know that that is not the case today, and I'm not 100% sure what the, um, what the percentage of Americans with pensions is, but I'm sure that that percentage is below 20. Um, but yeah, if the stock market is doing well and there are pensions invested in the stock market and the majority of people have pensions, then that means that the stock market doing well meant that the majority of people were doing well. But since so few people have pensions now, it is fundamentally unfounded to say that the stock market doing well means that the economy is doing well, which means that the general public is doing well. Yeah, and that's just a little knowledge dart for you. So next time you hear somebody talking about the stock market doing great, which means a good economy, you have, you're armed with a little bit of information to uh, really combat that misinformation. And uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to wrap up the episode today with the end of year wrap up. Uh, so these are just some music picks, movie picks and game picks that you could look forward to in 2020. So I'm going to start off um, with a with a music pick. I really am looking forward to see what um, Dreamville puts out in 2020 because 2019 was a really big year. But it was a collaborative year for them. And so I'm looking forward to see uh, what they do uh, individually coming from J.I.D., Earth Gang, Boss, Loot, um, a bunch of guys in, in that collective. You know, and that goes without saying J. Cole as well. But, um, yeah, I think they're going to be doing a lot of work for 2020. So look, to, uh, definitely look for them. Um, in the reggae scene, I'm definitely looking forward to see what Coffee drops this year. She did, a, she came out really strong in, in, in 2018 and 2019 with her Rapture and Rapture remix. Um, I believe she has more album work on the way. So definitely keep your eyes open for her. She's definitely mashing up the scene big time. And um, in the hip hop scene, the baby, I, I really, really, really like what he's doing. I mean, you know. Yes, he does have, have his hood tendencies, and he's been embroiled in all kinds of things, but he's come out on the right side of it every time. And so I'm hoping that he keeps up with the music, he keeps up with all of his merch and everything, because his success has been a real um, eye-opener for a lot of uh, young guys out there. And he's doing it the right way, and he's putting on all of his homeboys. They're all doing um, big things in the game, so 
I very much am looking forward to see what music he puts out. Hopefully, he comes through with a lot of success in 2020 as well. Um, and in R&B, I'm absolutely looking for Sir. Sir has just been killing him with everything he puts out, whether it's a single, his features, his last album. Um, TDE struck gold when they when they signed Sir um, on the R&B front. And I'm really looking forward to see what he does as well next year. Um, in terms of games, there's a lot of stuff dropping. And I'm glad to see that a lot of the uh, big game houses are starting to put out um, actual full single-player games again. Um, starting to show a resurgence from uh, away from these franchised, loot-box-based monetization uh, engines that they've been pumping out. Um, so, yeah. In terms of that, I'm looking forward to Cyberpunk 2077 from CD Projekt Red. It's going to be an amazing game. It's huge in scope. Um, the graphics look stellar. Um, and the storyline is in depth. I think they did a ton of work on it. Uh, they took their time. They didn't take the, uh, the, the route that a lot of these AAA studios are going where they're outsourcing a lot of the, uh, the work when it comes to um, whether it's uh, storyboarding or character design, they kept it all in house and, it's, and it all seems to be coming together in a very quality manner. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And um, Final Fantasy Final Fantasy Seven Remake, it's a tongue twister. Um, that one's going to be another blockbuster when it hits. Um, Final Fantasy Seven is a staple in the role playing genre. It's it was one of the most iconic games ever. It's a game that got me firmly affixed into the genre um i'd always been a fan of rpgs but final fantasy 7 was absolutely groundbreaking for its time and so final fantasy 7 remake is going to be similarly i think as groundbreaking um just looking at what they've um put out in terms of uh, gameplay uh cinematics and so forth it just looks stellar so i really hope they come through with that that's going to be um, another really fun uh playthrough um, and in terms of cinema now, uh, moving on to movies that I'm uh, looking forward to next year, it's another uh, huge array of, of movies coming out um, in all genres, but the top four that I'm looking at, and uh, w my first one's going to be a little bit of a guilty pleasure, it's going to be a bad voice for life, because I'm not a huge fan of Michael Bay, but the man knows how to tell a story through explosions, and it's perfect for him like that that bad boys for life is just the right amount of cheesy will smith and martin lawrence do a great job of of bringing a little bit of of swag to the to the cheesiness i mean i can't i i can't lie i enjoy the movies and i'm looking forward to number three next is going to be um one from uh, a director that i really really like i think that his cerebral style of direction is is really top notch and that's uh tenant from christopher nolan and um that one i couldn't even begin to try to explain to you the storyline all i can say is watch the trailer it's intriguing um so that one looks really good um and also of course i have to look forward to my marvel movies and new mutants is coming out next year that's promising um i have don't think i've ever seen a cinematic representation of new mutants and and also, it's a very underplayed storyline. Um, if you weren't an old-school comic head, then you might not even be familiar with New Mutants. I am very much looking forward to see what they do with that. I think that uh, Marvel Studios has just been an exemplar um, 
I really despise that there's there's old uh, gatekeepers in in uh, in Hollywood that like to say that Marvel movies are not cinema, but that definitely sounds like old old person hate. But um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that next installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, finally, this is one that I know that my girl is definitely going to be uh, excited to see, and that's Venom Two which is a Sony production, and that looks like it's going to turn out to be a very interesting uh, watch because it got a lot of positive reception from the first one, so hopefully it has the backing so they can invest into really making this uh, this sequel a, a quality uh, watching experience. And so those are just my end-of-year roundups for entertainment. So I want to leave you guys with that today. You know, I really hope that everyone had a great 2019 going into 2020. Hope 2020 is a prosperous one for everyone. I hope <laughs> that it's prosperous for, for everybody involved with this podcast. I hope that everyone uh, really gets a chance to, to do what they love to do because that's what I'm trying to get into this year. That's the, that's the energy I want to bring into the new year. So uh, always remember, time is only wasted if you choose to waste it. You only learn from your failures. And uh, definitely catch me on the next podcast. Have a great one.